From the Gert Boyle Studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. Oregon lawmakers are considering a bipartisan bill that would create some of the country's strictest limits on corporate ownership of primary care and specialty medical offices. The clinic has already passed in the House. Yesterday, senators on the Health Care Committee agreed to send it to the full Senate for consideration. OPB health reporter Amelia Templeton has been looking into this issue and joins us now to talk about it. Welcome back. Thanks so much. I want to start with the background here. How common is it for large companies or private equity firms to buy or to own medical practices in Oregon? I don't know. Uh, We know about individual deals um, thanks to a relatively new program in Oregon, uh, the Healthcare Market Oversight uh, Program, which sort of reviews and tracks transactions over a certain size. So we know, for example, that Amazon recently acquired a chain of primary care uh, practices, One Medical, which included locations in Portland. We know that a primary care network in Corvallis is currently in the process of being acquired by Optum, which is a subsidiary of United Health, the largest health company in the country. Um, we know about individual deals, but in terms of how far into the market Uh, this has reached, we don't really know. There's not great data here in Oregon. There's a sense that Oregon is maybe um, not as far along on this sort of private equity acquisition, corporate acquisition and consolidation of healthcare as other parts of the country, but it is absolutely happening here. Hmm. And also not as far along means that we then we could be ripe for acquisitions. What prompted Democratic State Representative Ben Bowman to introduce this bill? What does he say is the problem that he wants to solve. I think he says he is trying to maintain local control of Oregon's independent primary care and specialty care clinics uh, by people here in the state of Oregon and by physicians in the state of, of Oregon. His concern is that with private equity and corporate ownership, decision-making is no longer in the hands of somebody with a medical degree and that increasingly it becomes profit-driven and profit-driven in ways that can increase the cost of care for patients and also increase the cost of care for payers, including the state of Oregon. And Bowman points to data that ultimately uh, comes from PitchBook, which is a you know private source of tracks, private equity investments, suggesting that the pace of these acquisitions, specifically around certain kinds of specialty clinics and primary care, is really has increased dramatically in the last 10 years. What did you hear from proponents of this bill about the effects that private equity ownership would have on the provision of care? I heard, you know, a lot of of, uh, interest and sympathy for the argument that Bowman is trying to make, um, that there is real value to local control specifically of medical practices and healthcare, um, and that it's important to make sure that uh, decision-making is putting the patient first and that keeping practices, you know, in, in control of physicians is one way to do that. And what was really interesting is that, you know, the the Democrats in the House who voted on this bill, um, you know, very much lined up behind it. There's also quite a few Republican uh, representatives who who also uh, took that side and, and sort of shared that argument. One of them was Kevin Mannix, a longtime conservative lawmaker, uh, the architect of Oregon's mandatory minimums. He gave his strong endorsement on this bill before the uh, 
he gave his strong endorsement of this bill before the vote. As we debated this and discussed this, I thought about my law practice. And then I realized in the state of Oregon, historically, forever, lawyers are not allowed to have their firm owned by non-lawyers. And the principle behind it was so that we will exercise our independent judgment on behalf of our clients and not have external forces affecting that independent judgment for our clients. The only people that own this in a way are our clients that we represent and we represent their best interests. I mean, I was struck by one of the details, many details, but here's one that I was struck by in your reporting, that under longstanding and existing state law, Oregon physicians have to have a majority stake in independent practices known as professional corporations. That's still on the books. So why would this new law be necessary? Yeah, that's called Oregon's Corporate Practice of Medicine Doctrine, sort of bans corporate practice of medicine. That law is written in a way that there are just a million and one ways to get around it. It's essentially been defunct because it's been so easy to come up with, you know, a a way to structure your business so that the law doesn't apply. So the new law makes it clear that no matter how you structure your uh, practice, that uh, this majority ownership requirement, 51% or more physicians, uh, does apply with a couple of exemptions for telemedicine uh, organizations for behavioral health for for a number of other groups. How do opponents of this bill respond to the, the basic argument that having corporate control of medical practices means that those practices have this inherent conflict b- between their patients' health, their patients' best interests, and their shareholders' pockets, you know, their shareholders' best interests? I think they argue that the American healthcare system is so complex that this law is sort of trying to take an outdated old-timey ideal and apply it in a situation where it's really not relevant anymore. Um, and the one of the strongest points that they make is that hospitals are hospitals and health systems are exempt from this law. So say your Providence in, in Oregon, your you know, OHSU, your legacy, those large health systems, which often include some uh, degree of, you know, primary care practices as well as their big hospitals, uh, are not going to be subject to this law. And of course, in those hospitals, there are often administrators with MBAs who are also making important decisions around patient care. Um, so I think they they point to that as an example of just how how complex our current system is and how we're trying to sort of regulate one part of the system using this ideal around preventing profit-seeking, but that it doesn't really take into account what American healthcare looks like today. Well, why are hospitals and nursing homes exempt from this? I think it's a really good question. Um, The short answer is there was an attorney general opinion in the 1970s that held that hospitals could directly employ doctors, even though they didn't have 51% physician ownership, because they have sort of a separate licensing process with the state to provide health care. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the bill in the Oregon legislature that would create strict new limits on corporate ownership of primary care and specialty medical clinics. I want to turn to another piece of this bill that, that you've written is, is novel and actually particularly controversial. It includes limits on something called management services organizations. What are these? 
Well, it really depends on who you ask, <laughs> the <laughs> proponents of the bill or the opponents. But uh, management service organizations uh, at least started out as sort of back office administrative help and support for medical practices. Uh, they help with things like billing, which, you know, in medicine is incredibly complicated. Um, they might help uh, provide equipment, um, uh, logistics, that type of thing. The argument is that in recent years, investors, and in particular, private equity investors, have used these management service organizations to get around bans on the corporate practice of medicine and to essentially acquire and control lots of individual private practices around the country and then to go beyond just providing administrative support to them, but to actually dictate how they practice medicine and to be a sort of lever for the private equity investors to try to increase revenues and reduce expenses. How central are these companies to American medicine right now? You know, before I started reporting on this um, bill, I had, was really not very familiar with them. Um, but they are pretty common and pretty important. Um, and if you look up, uh, you know, any individual practice, you'll often find there's the name of the individual practice. And then there's often a second name on the website, which might be the name of the, you know, network that they're a part of. Well, often that bigger network, that bigger national network is an MSO or a management service organization. And one of the people that has come out strongly in favor of this bill is former Governor uh, John Kitzhopper, also former ER physician. And he really broke down kind of how this whole arrangement works and these management service organizations. And he used an example of this well-known oncology practice uh, in the Portland area, Compass Oncology. And let me use uh, Oregon-based Compass Oncology as an example. Compass, in a sense, is a hostage of its MSO, which is U.S. oncology. U.S. oncology buys its drugs. It employs its executive director. It, employ, it's employ, it employs its staff. It, it owns their building and their equipment. Now, U.S. oncology, in turn, is owned by McKesson, a distribution company with re annual revenues of around $375 billion. And McKesson, in turn, is backed by a number of private equity groups. So, you know, Kitzhopper is concerned that this means that a group like Compass is now subject to pressure to increase returns for those investors. What's interesting is that at this hearing where Kitzhopper testified, the president of Compass Oncology also testified, Scott Rushing, and he very strongly objects to this characterization. And he showed up to essentially say, look, we need these MSOs in order to compete with hospitals, in order to survive as independent practitioners. We need access to capital for our complicated equipment and drugs and to the expertise that they bring to the table. I have never turned a patient away for inability to pay. The second thing is, is they have never gotten in my business of taking care of my patients. They are not practicing corporate medicine. They don't tell me how many patients to say a week. They don't tell me which drugs I can give. Amelia, does any other state have a law like what Oregon lawmakers are now considering? A number of states have very strong prohibitions on the corporate practice of medicine. Um, states like Texas, California, New York, Washington, Florida, Illinois, and New Jersey. However, uh, 
this is the first bill that I'm aware of in the nation. And I've talked to quite a few experts that really tries to restrict these MSOs and that tries to sort of modernize the corporate practice of medicine um, uh, prohibition to respond to private equity. And so I think however this goes, people around the country are watching. Where does this bill stand right now? I mean, what's the potential timing? Well, uh, it could go to the Senate floor for a vote Friday or potentially Monday of next week. Amelia, thanks very much. You're welcome. Amelia Templeton is OPB's health reporter.